Three score and five years ago, Walt Disney conceptualized an attraction that would honor his favorite dinnertime conversation, the founding of America. In his own words, Actually, if you could see close in my eyes, the American flag is waving in both of them, and up my spine is growing this red, white, and blue stripe. This week on Slice of Disney, the Hall of Presidents. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I'm your co-host, Will Lentz, casual Disney-goer and real-life person that's actually kind of into politics. This is true. It is true. Uh, That said, we're both going to be trying to stay pretty apolitical with our discussion around this. There's obviously a lot of politics to be talked about, but we want to stick to mostly the attraction and sort of, you know, I I think our own personal interests in government. I have some and you do not. And that's okay. Oh, oh, I like government. I this this is really interesting to me to get into one. Um, if I'm being totally honest, I am not the most patriotic person. Never have been. This isn't a new thing. I've just always been like, meh, whatever. Fourth of July, eh, I don't need a ton of American flag clothing. Um, not that I have a problem with it. It's just never been my MO. Uh, Will is currently wearing a tie-dyed American flag shirt with an that eagle. That says, united we stand. Yeah, it's an eagle that's got the flag or got the flag uh on him um i did buy it originally as a bit uh but i have found that i've become like more patriotic as i get older uh more about the ideals of what america should stand for and what um you know what i think it's supposed to be uh than any particular party or particular uh, government that's going on at the time so i i really do like july 4th um i think it's fun i think it's fun to uh to think about those kinds of things. And I think like learning about the history is something that I've always been kind of interested in. I've, as we've mentioned, I've been to a couple of presidential libraries, uh, which is super nerdy, but also very fun. So, <laughs> you know, this is kind of up my alley. It's funny because, um, well, I have so many different thoughts actually, but I'll start with my first thought. One, um, for some reason, this feels really scandalous to talk about almost, like more scandalous than talking about the alcohol at uh, Disneyland with Walt. This feels like the most scandalous topic we've talked about, talking about the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> right. The the attraction that as you learn more about, you will realize has mostly become a place for people to go and rest in the air conditioning. Yeah, Ultimately, my second thought, you led me right in. Um, yeah. We wanted to do this in honor of inauguration and just thought it was, you know, a good time to start the ta- the start the episode of the Hall of Presidents. And as I got into it, I was like, oh, my God, Will, there is so much here. This is so interesting. I think we need two episodes. I'm knee deep, 12 pages in of notes. This is more than I would take on any paper I wrote in high school. Um, like this, I'm fascinated by how much information I have for this attraction that honestly most people go because it's hot and they need a little air conditioning and a nap. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you're totally right. And I mean, and it kind of makes sense. Like when you first told me that, I was like, that is surprising. I figured it would be kind of a, a quick, easy kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I was comparing it to our Monsters, Inc. episode where there's one attraction. It's about a basically, a, you know, the attraction is about a 90-minute movie. Um, the Hall of Presidents is about the entire presidency, <laughs> like the entire concept of a presidency um, throughout the United States of America. So it makes sense that it would try to cover a lot more. And because of that, it's got a lot more to it. Yeah. I also think because the Imagineers and Walt Disney himself took this concept and attraction so seriously and put so much love and effort into it, um, it made me want to do the same. So if you don't know what the Hall of Presidents is, it's an attraction located in Liberty Square at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. And it is a multimedia presentation and a stage show that features uh, the audio animatronic figures of all 45 uh, United States presidents. It is a short film that's going to give you um, a historical look into our past and then we get to hear these presidents speak at what looks like these lifelike figures. So um, it is, it's really unique. I can't think of any other thing like it. I got a point of clarification for you. What? Um, you said it's got all 45 presidents. I believe it only has 44 presidents. Okay, my bad. Why. Yes. Because, no, it's okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Technically, we're on our 45th president, but it's because we had Grover one president- Cleveland run two terms yeah we had grover cleveland serve two non-consecutive terms so he technically go use the 22nd and 24th president um but still have only had 44 people be president okay well okay i was just i was curious <laughs> i was i looked it up i was like i wonder if they did two different grover cleveland animatronics that like, no, they only they only have one as much work that went into it thank god they didn't have to do an extra of the same person <laughs> right it would be very funny but the Imagineers, it took over 15 years in development. It, the, the Imagineers reference hundreds of paintings, thousands of photographs, 300 or so periodicals, and more than 600 books to give them an accurate story. And they paid attention to every single minute detail you can think of. Yeah, and you're going to see that as you go through it. Um, all the way from, like, the, I think, the entrance ways to some of the tiny little details that are on the animatronics. They tried to make aero-specific. Um, and I think it's actually pretty cool, um, the amount of work that went into this. The, I think it's interesting because if you've been there, have you been to the Hall of Presidents, Will? I don't think so. Okay. At least if I have, it's been so long ago that I don't remember. you don't remember it? Okay, so yeah. um, it's... The stage is, like, not close to you, so a lot of these small details you wouldn't really notice. And they look very lifelike, but I wouldn't notice the stitching on their clothes. Right. But the Imagineer said, no, we are going to make sure that the stitching is accurate to this time period, to specifically what they wore, things like that. You're like, what? But good for them. Yeah. I mean, like, and if you're going to do it, I guess do it right, right? And I think that that kind of comes through as we as we talk about the development of this ride as well. Uh, initially, I think there were some conversations around maybe just using like wax figures for this, like still doing the concept, but having it like not be as lifelike as Walt had envisioned it. But I think, you know, as you mentioned there, he was very passionate about it and he wanted it to uh, be this great uh, example of what 
of what technology could bring. So they just continued to work at it. Um, and we'll see that kind of as we go through a little bit of like the story of how they got to where it is, why it took 15 years to come together. It reminds me of Haunted Mansion in that it took forever and required a lot of Imagineers and a lot of work, um, which is probably why I got excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but before we get into what Will's talking about, let's go back even further, all the way to the beginning of the seventh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We are in uh, somewhat modern times. So depending on your knowledge of Walt, you may or may not know, Walt is a huge lover of America and its history. That he is. I mean, you can look at Main Street. You can look at his obsession with Abraham Lincoln. Um, not quite as much as his obsession with trains, but I think you could probably play that in there <laughs> if you really wanted to. Um, yeah, he's, he's a big Americana guy. Yes, he, he was really proud of the United States, and he... He would often make his family engage in this conversation at dinner. That's not a joke. That was real. Mm -hmm. And that, that really motivated him to find a way, before even Disneyland, to honor the nation and how to figure out how to honor its beginnings, the original story. Yeah, those types of conversations don't come up as much now. Now when we talk about like patriotism and politics, it's always the current status, with the exception of I do think there's still some interest in that kind of founding father story. Uh, you saw that recently, obviously, with the hit show Hamilton. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, which huge Broadway hit, and then also like came to Disney Plus this year was another big hit. So there is still, I think, this kind of um, enjoyment of the myth of the uh, creation of uh, the United States. And so Walt was no different from that. And he wanted to find a way to uh, serve that up to the, the public in, um, in his own way. And he yeah. had the means to do it. So he pushed and made it and made it happen. I will say that America has an incredibly interesting history. And it's the shortest. So like, if you don't have a lot of time, you want to learn about history. America's great because not nearly as long as you can get into some other places. Um, Hamilton for me, and very excitingly, we'll get to talk about this a little more later, but that really did trigger me to get a little bit more of a patriotic pep in my step. It's mm -hmm. so good. I've easily watched it on Disney Plus over 20 th times. Are you serious? Yes. Like actually you think tw over 20 times? Easily. That's wild because it came out in july oh so, i'm aware like, that's, yeah no i i believe you uh that's just why i had to like uh, dial in on that that's a lot i've watched it once and it was fun i enjoyed it oh my god i just think it is incredible storytelling uh wow i it's amazing back to hall of presidents <laughs> bring me back to the real world sure, 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 sure. um uh i think that the way i'm feeling about hamilton is how walt felt about the history of america he was absolutely enthralled with it once the park had opened and Disneyland was a success, he was already ready for more. Like, as soon as it took off, he was ready. And we talked about that a little bit with International Street and Edison Square in previous episodes. And this is also one of the reasons I got so excited is because all of these little puzzle pieces are coming together. Yeah, you really find that as you kind of listen through to this. Um, he had plans to build a specific street called Liberty Street, which as you mentioned, is it's, you know, in that same kind of vein as International Street, Edison Square, he had all these different ideas and Liberty Street was going to be more of a, um, a display of, you know, Americana back in the Revolutionary War times, um, which have you ever been to a reenactment? No. Have you? I have. There's actually a, a fort not too far from where I've 
grown up and where I am now called Fort Massac. Uh, and it was apparently built by the French in the 1757 during the French and Indian War. Um, and I, as a kid, we would take like school field trips there for like the big reenactment stuff. And, and reading through reading through what Walt had envisioned for this, it reminded me a lot of that. It's like, there's blacksmiths. There's a place where you can go see uh, like arts and crafts from the day and age and people are wearing old school clothes and like yeah it's cool it made me want to go back yeah it reminds me actually if you go to the disney parks now on main street you can see the glass blowers blowing these Mm. really cool either figurines or glasses whatever it might be and that was kind of his idea he was going it was going to be 13 buildings uh and all of them were going to pay tribute to the 13 colonies and they were going to have real merchants and um so you could see real blacksmiths you could see apothecary um glass blowing all that kind of stuff and you'd be able to buy things so it was it was his idea of a living museum and it, he was so set on this happening that maps and stuff showed this and then it said that Liberty Square, uh, Liberty Street would be opening in 1956. So he was this was really going to happen a little more than the other streets like this was planned. And this is where, in theory, you would find the first iteration of what ultimately became the Hall of Presidents. Yes, but Will, there is a lot more before we get there. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay. I mean, I'm going to give you the exact detail of where the entrance would have been. It would have been (laughs) next to the Mad Hatter store. (laughs) If you walk walk into Disneyland uh, on your right-hand side, uh, there's a a hat store that I frequent often as a lover of ears. And right past there, which is behind there is more like um employee cast member area but that would have led us to liberty street and so on liberty street um you would go down have these shops and at the end would be this cul-de-sac and the center icon of the cul-de-sac was going to be a liberty tree which i thought was interesting because i think trees one it's because of my uh petrified wood that well gave his wife (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah for sure but also, I feel like trees come up a lot more in Disney. Like, okay, he liked trains. A lot of the rides have to do with tourism. And there's a lot of, like, important trees. Literally, the tree of life is the centerpiece of Animal Kingdom. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. I mean, even even looking at, like, Jungle Cruise, they obviously put a lot of thought into the the plants and things that are going to be seen in, these, uh, in, in the parks as a whole. So uh, I think Liberty Tree, that sounds cool. Yeah, it was something that was important. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the end of this cul-de-sac, you would find Liberty Hall, where there was going to be this beautiful, large foyer surrounded by these dioramas, um, you know, and paintings that were all going to give us scenes from the Revolutionary War. And that was going to be really the heart of this new land, um, because it was going to open up into uh, auditoriums that was going to feature the main two attractions because of course a land has to have attractions you got to you got to and um and you said attractions right yeah so there were going to be two there was going to be the hall of the declaration of independence where there were going to be these three famous american paintings that would come to life and suddenly they would be three-dimensional figures and it was going to be the very exciting parts of the story of signing the declaration of independence Okay, that's cool. That was actually one thing that I was thinking about. Um, you know, we'll get to ultimately, eventually, we'll get to things that we would like to see this attraction become. That that sounds like something that I originally was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like I would, uh, I would like to see other like 
specific times in American history kind of uh, recreated. Um, and it sounds like that was an original concept that they were going to try to work with. So, oh, yeah, I like I, it. I think Walt's ideas were great. And I think for me, like if in school I watched more of video, I don't know, like staring at a textbook. I didn't have great history teachers. And I think that's part of it where my brother had amazing history teachers. So he's super, super into American history. So you didn't watch the like 12 part VHS documentary by Ken Burns on the Civil War? No. Yeah, we did that in my like eighth grade uh, social studies class where oh. it was just like for like a good month. All we did was <laughs> watch these Ken Burns style documentaries. Whoa. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it was it was not uh, the most educational time in my life, but it, uh, <laughs> it was fun. You know? I, I do think like there's certain parts of history I'm really fascinated by, but I think it's because a lot of because of my teachers. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can find someone that, that is excited about a topic um, and shares it with you. It's going to you're going to feed off that. You find someone that's like, I'm also the coach of the track and field team. And that's the main reason that I have this job. It's not going to uh, it's not going to quite have the same punch. Mine was the varsity football coach. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. My, I think I think mine was the uh, also an assistant uh, to the to the football coach. So that's he funny. had two duties that were not that he viewed as more important than teaching us history. Right. But, you know. <laughs> But calling you I... out, coach. Calling you out, coach. Do oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's definitely listening to this podcast. Speaking of people that are excited to teach you about things, hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe if I had Walt as my teacher, then I would have been super excited. The yeah. other show was called One Nation Under God, and it was an attraction where guests would be able to see all of the presidents of the United States standing together on stage. And you'd be able to hear each president kind of go through their uh, presidential history and what they accomplished. And he, these were his grand ideas that that also sounds interesting to me. Yeah, it does. And I mean, I think, you know, you tease me for the presidential library stuff, but that's kind of sort of what those are like as well. You know, you're going and you're getting to learn like the person's life story leading up to it, what the what challenges they faced as a president and then their post presidency phase. So like, you know, it is. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that's interesting about that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it would be very long if they were trying to do like oh, so every long. president gets a little bit of time to tell you about what they've done. Um, but, you know, it's a cool idea. Even if at that point they each got one minute, it would still be long. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Obviously, when they were thinking of all these ideas, animatronics weren't, they were an idea, but just a dream at this point. And um, they had tried um, some other animatronic-like things, um, but they even those weren't working great. And so it, it kept getting pushed. And now we're in the year 1957, the year that Liberty Street was supposed to open, we've already mm-hmm. seen maps with the picture, and it still was not there. So yeah. the work continued, um, but so did everything else Walt was working on, because I cannot even imagine what working, reading about this, slash knowing everything we've uh, dived into previously, I'm like, oh my yeah. God, working for him must have been insane. It must have been a nightmare at times, but also something that you feel like you're actually building some cool stuff. So that's great, too. And like anything's possible. 
Yeah. Yeah, but it is like, but I do think about it as as you said, like as we learn more and more, it's like, oh, this was also going on oh, at the yeah. time that the previous ten episodes we talked about were going on. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So Walt himself assigned James Algar, who was the director of True Life Adventures, uh, to perform extensive research into the United States presidents and our nation's founding documents in prep for this real. Uh, you know, true to history show. And he even had them start like performing in front of mirrors and moving their bodies. And they would video every single movement to just like, how do humans move? How do humans work? They're the amount of different levels, just historical information they were doing. And then how does a human move? How does a human sit? Sure. I was thinking about that while reading through this, talking about like trying to create animatronics that could stand up. I was like, I don't even know how I'd go about starting to program that. I've never thought about what is the motion going from sitting to standing up. What looks and then I, and then I try to do it. And I'm like, well, now I feel like a robot doing it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it does. Uh, some of the Imagineers that worked on this kind of stuff, you know, started as animators. And I do think there is a way that that makes sense because in animation, you know, every single tiny baby movement is drawn on a new page. So you Mm, have to pay attention to every moment of how we move. Speaking of animation, thank you for bringing that up. As I was trying to think about things we could talk about in the intro, uh, specifically four score and seven years ago, 1934, Walt Disney reveals his plan to make Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to his key animators. No way. As we know is like the thing that really started. All uh, of this. Yeah. So, I mean, he had, the Walt Disney Company was around before then. Um, they'd done other things. They had Silly Symphonies and all that sort of stuff. But I was like, did any key moments happen four score and seven years ago? And uh, yeah, Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. Wow. Yeah. That's actually cool. really cool. Yeah. Look at you with the Disney facts. Yeah, well, you know, it's more, <laughs> of, it's more of a four score and seven years ago fact, but still. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Um, not then, but a little later, in February of 1959, uh, Walt and some key WED uh, Enterprise people were um, having a meeting. And Walt was determined that the Constitution was going to serve as a basic story background for the president's show that would depict, this is in quotes, okay, depict growth and progress, the present and future that was his whole base he was like we're gonna make a freaking show and this is so important and all of you have to listen everyone's like okay um which leads us to hall of presidents yeah uh <laughs> to me i'm a little i'm a little lost on that concept uh and that's not on you that's on the quote from walt i'm like okay so it's going to depict growth and progress uh both the present and the future i think progress and carousel of progress um Oh, but also the story is the Constitution. Um, I'm, I'm going to need you to go a little bit deeper on this, uh, Walt, please. Oh, you're kind of right. I, I wonder if that was him being like, okay, you know what? Too many ideas at once. Let's just throw it all at the World's Fair. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like. But, you know, when you got that many ideas and you got the resources to do it, uh, why not? Right. No, this, but for him, this was like what the Hall of Presidents or at the time One Nation Under God needed to be. He's, he's got big grand ideas, and I, I respect that. These grand ideas to, in his mind, honor a grand uh, development in human history. Yeah. At this time, the show had uh, possessed 
uh, pretty strong direction. Um, so the first portion would employ a Circarama technology uh, to create a five-screen wraparound 180-degree film presentation. And it was going to feature um, these very large paintings that depicted moments of our nation's founding. Kind of the whole idea from the get-go, but it was going to be this surround experience because I think, and it, it goes with Liberty Street as well, the whole idea was it was this live-in experience. He really wanted you to get back to what it felt like to be in this time period. I think that I think that's cool. I yes. mean, it's the reason that we go see IMAX movies, right? You want to really feel immersed in what you're watching. You want to be surrounded by it. Um, and yeah, I think that 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 makes sense. And that's and it also feels like it's a pretty you know this was the 1950s, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like television is newish, and it's like he's like I want 180. Yeah, I, I want, want more. So it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty. Uh, I don't want to say the word revolutionary. It's um. Pretty innovative. Use it. Use no. Use revolutionary. Use it. No, it's fitting. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't want to use it. <laughs> it's pretty revolutionary. Yay! It is we'll revolutionary. Um, uh, I, he wanted to invoke these emotions in people of what it would feel like to be going through all of this and what it would feel like to be starting a new country, like. That that's insane to think about. Again, things I only understood in watching Hamilton. Um, and and the climax of this show though was going to be right in the middle of a super violent civil war battle. <laughs> right. Uh, so it wasn't just the the founding, and I think that that's important, right? Because you know it's not just about the founding of the nation; it is about the, the, the things that happened. Yeah, it kind of skipped. He wanted it to kind of skip from like founding father moment civil war. Like it's we like, don't. Can, how quick can we get to Lincoln? Yes, it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so, a wed artist, Sam McKim, explained this multi-sensory moment. Walt wanted artillery that would fire from one screen across to the enemy on a screen on the other side, and you would see things blowing up, and then you could even smell it. It was smellovision. Yeah, 4D. Have you ever been to one of those 4D movie experiences? Only at Disney parks. <laughs> okay. They have they they have. I've never been to one um, where they they do like Mission Impossible in 4D, and you're in like oh. a chair and it jerks you around and stuff, and it doesn't it doesn't seem very fun to me. But um, but I think they also do like the the smells and stuff. Too, that sounds so. really stressful. Just watching some of these war movies, I'm so stressed out and anxious. I don't need sure. I don't need any more added sensory. <laughs> I do think that that's an interesting choice uh, for the climax of this uh, one nation under God. Um, attraction uh, is that you're going to have, you know, we're still in a Disney property. <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, don't forget war. And it's so real. I want you to smell we, Yeah, we want it. We want you so in this. Like, God, that would, it, it could be very triggering. I yeah, can imagine. I would think so. Um, yeah. This is a moment where I think Walt's dreams uh, were kind of just like a little too big at times because, yeah. um, after this presentation, the idea is that we would bring 34 humans to life and all these presidents are hanging out. And the only way at the time that they could do this was wax figures. And Walt, that just was not good enough for him. He right. he wanted a realistic, standing, speaking human, and that just wasn't feasible. Yeah. At the time, it wasn't. At and, the time. You know, but 
sometime in here, not exactly sure when, but sometime around here, Walt was on vacation in New Orleans uh, with his wife, and they were in a curio store. And Walt spotted this gilded metal cage with a mechanical singing bird. He was absolutely amazed by it and had to purchase it because this mechanical bird could sing while moving its beak, head, and wings. You know, that is like, I, th- I thought that that was very cool. I thought that was a very cool little fact. Um, and I would almost say if I could have uh, any type of like artifact in the Disney lore, that'd be a cool one to have. Ooh. Like the little curio mechanical bird that like, you know, inspired the animatronic ideas that came out. Um, especially because it is like pretty nondescript. It's like you just found it in a New Orleans curio store. Yeah. Like, what about this? Okay, great. Let's get to work with it. And um, I thought that was really interesting. I, I agree. It, he was a huge collector of, you know, unique items, um, like my favorite tree. And mm-hmm. uh, we kind of mm-hmm. actually talked about his trip to New Orleans a little in Club 33 and his cl- collecting of things while he was there and getting inspired. Um, so, I think it's cool that he found this bird. He brought it back to his Imagineers and he was like, cool, look at this, dissect it, figure out how it works. And now we have to figure out how to make it better. Yeah. Because it wasn't, he wasn't looking just to have birds on stage. He was looking to have uh, 35 lifelike humans. I kind of like the idea of instead of them being presidents, they're all little birds dressed like presidents. You know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> reading through this did make me think about them adding Disney branded stuff too, like they like they've done with. Uh, small world where you're like oh now you're in this place and also there's mulan it's like when are they gonna add like mickey as president up there um or they're gonna add like the presidents of the company get to be up there too we'll not like that if that's the direction oh yeah go. oh no but that's more for part two yeah we'll get to part two later i also uh this one you know surprising i don't think any of them are wearing hidden mickeys i think <laughs> right not yet not yet um <laughs> But they actually are wearing some cool hidden Easter egg type stuff. Oh, yes. Again, we'll get to later. I know. I Look at you teasing so much. Okay. So uh, Walt was wanting to figure out this technology, but it was the late 1950s. He had so much on his hand. Uh, you may recall that he had other groundbreaking attractions going on. Um, at the same time, in 1959, they had the Disneyland monorail system, Walt's Highway in the Sky. Uh, we had the Mod- the Matterhorn bobsleds, the first steel roller coaster <laughs> of <laughs> all time. Uh, and we had the submarine voyage. So there is a lot happening at the Disneyland parks, but Walt is still not giving up on the Liberty Street, but it was being put to the side a little bit. Yeah. And so this gets a little bit to my uh, my take on this ride, which is something that we talked about early on, where to me, the story of this ride is Walt loved this idea and really wanted it to happen and kept pushing it. Um, but the company as a whole had other priorities at the time. And so, you know, it's Walt, it's his company. He's going to continue to push this where he can, but uh, due to other resources and stuff, it's like, all right, well, we do need to focus on some of this other stuff as we move through. I view it a little differently. I think you're right. Walt was definitely the head of this operation but i think the other imagineers were into it too he had i mean it's hard to say they had so much on their plate and i can't say they're all equally as into it i think we're gonna get to them a a little bit but i think bob gurr was probably like okay calm down uh (laughs) but i think that you know i definitely think they were at least a little into it um while bringing it back uh 
the president show that they they wanted to include it in the fairs menu. We're getting into the World's Fair that we've gotten to talk about a lot. I feel like if it weren't for this World's World's Fair, I don't think Disney World or Disneyland would be what it is today, to be honest. Um, so Wed was rechristening this attraction, One Nation Under God, and had brought this mock-up version to New York's RCA Victor Theater in June 1961, uh, where the World's Fair staff kind of responds to different presentations and gets excited. And all these corporate leaders are there, uh, companies like Coca-Cola, Hallmark, um, and they kind of judge them. But they all thought that this idea was just too expensive. Mm-hmm. None of them, they liked what it could do. They all said, wow, this really did uh, evoke a lot of powerful emotions, but it's just too much for us. And specifically, one organization was like, this is really inspiring, but it doesn't sell our product enough. Um, so, <laughs> do you think it was GE? Me, I have a pretty good guess as to who it yes! was. Yes, <laughs> GE. <laughs> but nevertheless, that's not going to stop Walt. He's like, all right, all right, well, we'll see. Actually, it kind of did the opposite. Walt was like, all right, that didn't work. You know what? Uh, in order to sell this, we have to go ahead and make the full-size, lifelike, audio-animatronic figure that can speak on its own and move on its own. Go. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It was like, all right, well, okay, well, if you're not going to fund it, we'll do a proof of concept. Yeah, exactly. Walt had already turned to animator-turned-sculptor Blaine Gibson, uh, Blaine Gibson is a huge part of this attraction, so we'll go into a little more details about him later. Um, but he had made some busks of President George Washington and Teddy Roosevelt. Now Walt says, okay, I need you to do our favorite president, our everyone's favorite president, 16th President Abraham Lincoln. And, of course. <laughs> and here we go. It's, you know, once Abraham Lincoln's involved, things really start moving. Um, this for him was going to be the practice round. He wanted the Imagineers to all work together. Um, and that was what they were going to show these show sponsors because they know they could get proper funding for this show if they get one real lifelike animatronic. Question for you. Yeah. Kelly Washington. What? Um, if you could only have one animatronic president, which one would you (laughs) choose? Oh my God. Um, I, I think it's a little corny for multiple reasons, Kelly Washington, um, that mm. I would pick George Washington. Yeah, that's fair. I'd pick William Howard Taft because <laughs> he was really fat. And I think that would be, <laughs> uh, if you're going to make one, I feel like that'd be funny. Okay, fine. I'm going the opposite direction, and I'm going to choose James Madison because he was the smallest president, and he was 5'4 and 100 pounds. Okay, tight. That'd be fun. Uh, Madison, right? Yeah, so James, and part of this is funny specifically because of the Hall of Presidents because they didn't want James Madison to be overshadowed by the other presidents, so they have him sitting in the Hall of Presidents. So that that. being 5'4", he doesn't, you know, look out of place. I like that. I you know, I also, just real quick, because I had always heard that Taft was uh, a heavier man, and I was like, I wonder if that was just like, Back then, he was heavy, but now today we'd be like, "Oh, that's just a normal person." And I looked it up, and he's like three fifty. So I was like, "Okay, never mind. He was a he was a heavy man back then too." Oh wow, yeah, that yeah. is a larger human, yeah. especially for that time. Anyways, I've gotten us away from things that are important. <laughs> These but are. I, I had I had wanted to ask that question. I knew coming in, I wanted to ask you which one you would pick. That's really funny. Um, 
Well, none of the Imagineers had a choice of who their favorite was. <laughs> Walt's favorite, uh, Lincoln. And I, some of the Lincoln facts uh, we'll dive deeper into when we do Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Um, so I am going to brush over some of, some of those things. Um, but uh, they get working on it. And this, we need to acknowledge, is a huge step for the Disney Corporation and Imagineers and technology. Yeah. They were about to create an audio animatronic that could blink, sit, stand, speak. None of this had happened before. Yeah, it's something that I very much take for granted now. Oh, yeah. Because I like, I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't seem like it's the most complicated technology. Uh, but yeah, of course, when they were first coming up with this, it's not a thing that had been uh, done, I think in part because it's not a, like a practical application of technology. It is, uh, it is a, well, we've never really, we don't have the tools in place to do this because we don't really, it doesn't make our lives easier. It is, in fact, just something that we think is impressive and cool. And so, you know, you're having to invent a lot of different stuff there. Like you said, you're having to study human mo movement to figure out how to make it look natural. So, yeah, as you said, this is a huge step up in animatronic technology. Yeah. And, of course, he puts on Bob Gurr and Roger Brogy to lead the way. Um, while they are prepping for the 1964 World's Fair, Bob Gurr says this, and it makes me laugh because it it, you can just picture it all. So on top of all the other projects I was working on, Walt handed out yet another one. I was busy on Ford, General Electric, the Carousel Theater of Progress, this, and Small World. And now I was to get cracking immediately on redesigning the mechanical portion of the animated Abraham Lincoln figure. <laughs> Again, that's to show there was so much stuff going on. And I think almost in that moment of pressure, that's really what led to a lot of innovation and uh, what led to the success. Um, you know, they had a time constraint. World's fair. We got to do this. And I think that really kind of motivated everybody to, take, to do that extra work and get it done. By the summer of 1961, the figure could rise and stand out of its chair, which seemed very impressive, but it wasn't enough for Walt. Walt then called on Roger Brogy and Bob Gurr demanding, so I can already see this, I want half the weight and twice the motions. I mean, you know, the uh, the amount of technology that goes into something like this is pr is pretty astounding. Um, I also like the idea that it's like, I want twice the motions, which we already talked, sit and stand. Does that mean he wanted four motions? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sure there was a lot more to it than that. But, he wanted all of the motions. And it was only in 90 days. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's wild. You can't do anything in 90 days. No, these people did not sleep. I guarantee it. So all of this is happening. And then Robert Moses uh, came to the Walt Disney Studios to kind of just check out what was going on. And he saw this Lincoln and he was obsessed. And he insisted it had to be in his fair. That we, they weren't going to have the 1964 World's Fair without it. So <laughs> I bet they would have. Uh well, it sounds better if we say he would. <laughs> uh, sorry, everyone, go home. Uh, the Lincoln animatronic did not arrive. <laughs> um, but you're right. He was very into it, and he wanted it to be there. And at this time, they were planning for the World's Fair, mind you, that it was going to be all of the presidents, not just Lincoln. They were going to make 34 audio animatronic, lifelike presidents, though due to all of the things... Um, <laughs> That did not happen, and the only president that they were able to complete and complete well was Abraham Lincoln. So that kind of paved the way for the Illinois State Pavilion at the World's Fair to, which we, I remember we were talking about uh, 
either worlds or either um it's a small it world progress, it was okay. carousel progress like what a strange thing to have such a huge attraction yeah for it to be uh you know ge is sponsoring something and uh unicef is sponsoring something and then uh also the state of illinois yeah <laughs> it's like and that's almost, I have to imagine, entirely because Walt just wanted to uh, get Abraham Lincoln in there. Oh, totally. But shocking, huge success. At first, it was a little mocked. Like, people thought it wasn't going to be that great. And then they saw it and they were like, wow, this is life-changing. I've never seen anything like it. That birthed the idea of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, which came to uh, Disneyland in 1965. But the Imagineers, at this point, you know, Walt was still wanting to do Liberty Street. Still wanting to do this Hall of Presidents idea. But the Imagineers had put their efforts with this new technology into other very important projects. Like yep. Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion. So yeah. Liberty Street was kind of tucked away. Yeah, sounds kind of like my theory coming to life. Oh, Walt wants it. Everyone else is like, we got more important stuff to do, Walt. Oh, stop it. <laughs> You're about to feel bad for saying that because now we're in December 1966 and Walt has passed away. Oh, I feel bad for saying that. See? Um, the Imagineers were left with millions of projects, but their leader wasn't there anymore. And yeah. even though all of these people are brilliant, creative minds, it, it, I'm sure it was very different. You didn't have someone demanding a robot in 90 days anymore. Yeah, you didn't. And uh, I would think that because of that, uh, without reduced uh, importance of it, that this idea is probably going to be like, great, we have great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Uh, we think we basically did that. Let's check that box and put the rest of it to the side. And they had done so much work for this Hall of Presidents idea that all of the research, the ideas, some actual recordings and models were kind of just tucked away. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this the largest project they had taken on was this planning of more than 27,000 acres of land in their Florida project. Yeah. So they, that and was, what are you going to do with all that? What are you going to do? There's so much, uh, just swamp that we're going to turn into the happiest place on earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so as they're preparing for this Florida project and Walt no longer being there, this Liberty Street idea came up again. Um, and one of the things that I thought was interesting about it coming up here, I think there's some, you know, well, we kind of have like in uh, Disneyland, we have New Orleans Square. Um, and do we want to bring that out here? Uh, ultimately, they decided that New Orleans Square it feels a little weird to have it in Florida to be a big attraction because New Orleans is not that far away. Like it is. No, nobody's going to drive from like uh, Disney World and then be like, well, let's uh, swing over to New Orleans. But it's close enough that it feels a little strange to have. So I that there. think that was a smart decision that Disney I made, did. which makes the fact they made Disney's California Adventure <laughs> even more fascinating because Good point. they made a theme park about California in California, but yet they didn't want to make. A New Orleans Square, still like twelve hours away driving from right, right. the Florida That's a part. Good point. <laughs> That's a good point. But it did free up some space in the the new park. Yeah, so they have this area. You know, they were coming up with different ideas, and it kind of resurrected this idea again of 
Liberty Street. They got out, you know, I just told you that they had all of the stuff already, so they're looking through it. They decided maybe instead of going with a Liberty Street, this cul-de-sac at the end with the big tree, Liberty Square, maybe we just do that. And instead of doing two shows, maybe we just do one. Which makes sense. Um, I do think that there is some diminishing returns on that attraction, uh, that concept, especially when you have so much else in Disney World. Um, you know, I, I think I I can be convinced to go do one patriotic show uh, in Disney World, um, but to do two feels like kind of a big ask because there's so much other cool stuff to explore. So I can see why they're like, let's narrow the focus. Yeah, that makes sense. And this one getting to see that many animatronics that really is cooler yeah um uh, but so they're continuing to finalize this square i it's very detailed um we'll get into a little bit of that later and now while disney world is opening magic kingdom is opening october 1st 1971 and with it the hall of presidents opens now we have 35 presidents there you go. 35 presents, so 35 animatronics. And when the Hall of Presidents opened, it was immediately declared one of Disney's best stage shows ever. Which I think is really interesting, right? Because like, I, I have watched it uh, on YouTube. I've watched the most recent version of it. Um, and I can imagine back in that time when you see that, you're like, wow, this is crazy. Look at those people up there. Look at that guy. He's so old looking, et cetera. So, <laughs> so I, old I do, looking. <laughs> right. So I do think I can see how that this would really blow people away. Um, but, you know, if you go watch it now, you're like, oh, this is animatronics up there. And it's like, it's cool. I, it was funny when I was talking about doing uh, my prep for this. One of my best friends was like, oh, well, you could talk about me and say that's my favorite place to get air conditioning. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh luckily you're not alone in that so that yeah. i ultimately i'm probably gonna end up mentioning that <laughs> yeah yeah because it's true it's it's cold and it's a you know about a 20 minute show so it's nice and relaxing um sure. the first part of that show uh also a cool piece of technology was using 70 millimeter film spread across these five huge screens which we get to see even more amped up uh, in the America the Beautiful show, the Canada show, the China show. And that just really wowed people. And people really, really, really enjoyed the program itself. They thought it had a lot of heart. And it did what Walt wanted. It brought up a lot of patriotism in people, which was really important to the country at the time because uh, the country itself was celebrating its bicentennial in 1976. There you go. I'm excited to get into some of the the important details of how uh, what the show looked like, the people involved. But for now, I'm gonna just go through the show. Um, we'll go we'll go through that next time. 1971. It opens. What do I see? Uh, so the show's broken up into two parts, which it still is, where the presentation is going to be narrated uh, over a film showing whichever event at the time uh, is being shown. Then we open up to the animatronic presidents. Uh, but that part only takes like five minutes of the show, even though that's the part that seems more important. But here's the original version of the Hall of Presidents. Um, it was very similar to the One Nation Under God concept um, in which in which you're going to feel like you're in the middle of this event. Walt's super excited about that. 
Um, <laughs> it's going to be the early history of America. It would start off with uh, the recreation of the Philadelphia Convention, where the Constitution was first created. We would hear speeches from Benjamin Franklin and George Washington. Then it was going to show the Whiskey Rebellion of 1791, which is really the first time we were testing this new kind of government. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> okay. um, and then we're all just right, going to jump. <laughs> we're going to jump all the way to Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, no, got to get got to get to Lincoln. Yeah, got to get to the top hat. Yeah, we we skip over everything else, jump to Lincoln, um, and this uh, borrowed a lot. From the already going show at Disneyland, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, talking about the Civil War. And um, it, it gave many speeches that he gave during this time. And then it moves to the present and stresses that America's leaders and future leaders need to remember the Constitution and its values for the nation to be successful. And then it concludes with a Saturn V rocket launching. And then the screen parts ways. And we see... All of the audio animatronics, all 36 presidents standing on stage as they do a roll call. That's cool. I kind of like that. It's like, we must remember the values of our constitution for this nation to be successful. Here is a rocket taking off. It's like, <laughs> all right, sure. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, and but yeah, so they open it up and you see all the all the presidents there. I always really like the, ro- the roll call part because as someone who didn't pay a great deal of attention in American history. Um, getting, I'm like, oh, that's what you looked like. Oh, that's what you look like. It's just kind of cool. And then trying to see where they're coming from because it's not yeah. like, it's not in order. Everyone's kind of sitting around different presidents. So, right. and I also like that too. Like everyone's fashions kind of mixed up and. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, as you said, you know, you, you're seeing these people and you're like, oh, I didn't know that's what you looked like. But you're getting a pretty accurate representation of what that person did look like, at least according to what our uh, history books say and stuff. Because as we talked about a couple of times, they took a lot, they paid a lot of close attention to detail to making sure that the fashion was right, that their haircuts were right, um, all that kind of stuff. As you know, I love getting into the details, like talking about flagpoles and lights and whatever it might be. Uh, so wait for the next episode because we're getting into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then... Lincoln is going to give another speech. We hear the Battle of the Republic as the show ends. Yay! And that is the original show. Yeah. And uh, there's been a number of changes, additions, tweaks and stuff to it. Um, But we are going to save that for part two. Get excited. Get excited. So you can tell, like, with this one, obviously, there is a lot of emphasis on our guy, Abe. Which I think, you know. It kind of makes sense. Uh, he definitely is, you know, one of the faces of the nation. Um, and, I, you know, I bet he also was like, you know, of all the different animatronics you can have, you can probably put your best work into like one of them. So I'm sure they were like, all right, Abe has got, he he is, he's our A plus effort goes into this guy. So Ooh. we got one guy, let's keep using him. I agree with you but also disagree with you i don't think disney's ever gonna mail in anything so i think every single one of those animatronics is a plus work like i i think every detail every wrinkle every hair i think all of those things were paid attention to i think that's very sweet of you to think oh Oh, i'm gonna get into all those details next time you just wait Uh 
as we move towards closing out uh, this episode of the Hall of Presidents, um, there are some pretty cool fun facts. As we said, there's not a lot of hidden Mickeys, but we did want to share some of the fun facts with you. Um, so we're going to do a few of them uh, on this episode, and we'll save a, cother- uh, a few more for, for part two. So Kelly, why don't you start us off with some, some cool fun facts? Oh, okay. Let me just give you a couple about Liberty Square itself. Okay. Um, if you haven't been there, it, it does feel like it's kind of this odd area. You, you know, it, you kind of go from fantasy land and then you see the Haunted Mansion. Oh, and then uh, you're just there. So if you look at the pavement, you're going to notice a brown stripe in the road. And this represents the sewerage thrown in the streets at the time. Because remember, there was no indoor plumbing, which is also, this is so crazy to me, why you will find no bathrooms in Liberty Square. They're just in the nearby adjacent areas. Yeah, it's very, very weird. They Thanks, guys. They committed. I'm, that's why I think every wrinkle and hair was in place, because they made sure to put a brown strip down the road to represent <laughs> the poo-poo in the streets. That's a gross fact. That is so gross. (laughs) Why would you do? Come on, guys. I don't think there's any. Look, I don't think people are going to be like, "Hmm, my trip was ruined because I went to Liberty Square. And you know what was missing? A brown strip. You know, (laughs) back then they didn't have bathrooms. Why are there bathrooms here? Oh, my God. It makes me. I think that's wild. Um, wild. Another thing that I think is cool about the square is the geographical progression. So you start with the Haunted Mansion. And the mansion is supposed to ape homes along the Hudson River in the 1700s. And as you pass the buildings in the square, um, you're going to see two numbers. Uh, place an 18 in front of the number, and you see what year that building was from. And it kind of goes from uh, very East Coast style over to the frontier land where the style is going to change. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. It's a fun kind of thing journey as you're walking through. It's um, it's like in and in the Columbia Harbor House restaurant, which my family ends up eating at every single time for some weird. It's not even like we love it; it's just we always end up eating there. Um, on one side of the restaurant, the part that's like closer to Liberty Square is the like Amer- early American decor, and then the one closer to Fantasyland is European. Gotcha. So, all those little details. Uh, well, the one fun fact I wanted to share. Oh, man, this was my favorite. I'm jealous. Okay, go ahead. Is that uh, during the Revolutionary War, England refused to ship uh, metal to the colonies because uh, they didn't want any of the metal like melted down and turned into bullets. Um, so the colonists had to use all the metal that they had available to turn into ammunition to fight. Um, to do exactly British. what to England do exactly thought what they were going to do. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, And so that includes the uh, hinges on shutters. So as you're going through um, Liberty Square, you're going to see that all the like shutters are held up by leather straps um, as opposed to the metal hinges, which is accuracy that I can appreciate, unlike the sewage streets (laughs) in the middle of the street. Yeah, all the shutters are kind of hanging at an angle. They're not exactly straight. Kind of how we talked about in Animal Kingdom near near Everest, how the buildings... Yes. To look a little off. I, I love that. Those kind of things yeah. geek That's me cool. out. There's two centerpieces of 
Liberty Square. One is the Liberty Tree. So we did get that tree. Um, it is a 35-ton, 135-year-old oak tree that was transplanted over onto the um, from another part of the Disney property. So they got that Liberty Tree in there. They got the tree. Um, it has 13 lanterns as a nod to the 13 colonies. And we have the Liberty Bell, which I don't know if – I didn't know this before reading – about this that originally all of the states received replicas of the liberty bell to celebrate the bicentennial Hmm, i didn't realize that either that's cool so yeah that's a replica nice and i feel like that gives you a great a beautiful and also poo-poo picture of liberty square so i I, i'll leave the fun facts there because i think it it kind of you got you got to envision liberty square that's great. And I will say, um, as we transition into uh, our favorite segment, Yay! Disney on Yelp, uh, today's Yelp review um, comes from Ryan W. out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, she has a profile picture. She has 129 friends on Yelp, um, 189 reviews, and 649 pictures. Quite a power user, one wow, might say. Wow, yes. Ryan says, of the Hall of Presidents. Again, another opportunity to have a seat out of the sun and in the air conditioning, but with the added bonus of an educational experience. Morgan Freeman narrates a history of American presidents focusing on Washington, Jackson, Lincoln, Roosevelt's, and Kennedy, but rounding off with all of them. It's a mix of animatronics, voiceovers, and video. My five-year-old was interested and watched the whole show, and the animatronics were pretty good. Is it exciting? No. Would I do it again? Probably not. But it would be another great breastfeeding spot. Three stars. Hey. Like, what? Is that like a common trend? I haven't looked at her other ones, but she's like, this would be another great spot to breastfeed. I I don't know. Yeah, now I'm curious if she's like, oh, this spot? Oh, yeah, this is usually where I breastfeed uh, in the parks. Hey, you've got to find the spot, honestly. Everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, do do what you got to do. Um, if that's if you feel like Ryan, that's what you're contributing to the Yelp community. I love that. You know what? Someone out there is going to be looking for it, and that's going to help them out. I will say this is not the ideal place to eat or drink, because I've been yelled at drinking tea in great moments with Mr. Lincoln. I was, I'm telling you that to me was the funniest moment of getting in yeah. trouble at Disney. Sure. <laughs> so I uh, that has come up. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're gonna uh, we're not gonna do all of our questions because we haven't completed this whole story yet. But one thing I think we can do is, uh, Kelly, is this a an attraction that you visit every time you go to the parks? And if so, or if not, where does it kind of fit in your day when you do go? Okay, if my dad is with me, uh, probably. If I'm by myself, no, no, it, it's not one that I frequent. Sure, that's okay. That's fair. I uh, I will say, if I'm going to see it, it's usually in the middle of the day during the summer because, like everyone else, whew, it is nice to get a break. Well, given that, that actually raises a question to me. Um, since that is a popular use for this attraction, is it ever, like, do you have to wait in line to get in if everyone's like, oh, it's hot, let's go sit down? Or is it kind of a you can quick and go find a get a quick respite there and there's probably not a not a line to get in you just go sit and you're fine oh it's so i would say it's usually always crowded the theater is just pretty large so okay 
there's plenty of space for people. I'm not sure how they're doing it right now with COVID. Um, but it is a lot of people at once go in. You're never going to have just a few people where I feel like great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Sometimes you go in and it is pretty empty. This one is usually pretty full, but still you'll always get to see a show. All right. So I think that that is probably going to cover what we're going to be able to get through uh, for our part one. Um, part two, really excited. We're going to be talking through a lot of the contributors that do it, more fun facts, the hidden details that you might see, and also the future the of future, the future. I know. I'm excited to get into that. That one's probably going to come out the week of President's Day. Just a little tease for you all. So in about a month. Um, so look forward to that. Yes, uh, we are excited as we've teased. We are working on things. We have begun building out the website and Patreon. So uh, look out for that very, 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 very soon. And, and make sure in the meantime to like, subscribe, share with every human you know. Um, you can. Yeah, follow- I think that seems, that seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, if you know any presidents, just like forward this their way. Um, yeah. <laughs> follow us on social media uh, on Instagram and Facebook at Slice of Disney. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Slice underscore of underscore Disney. And you can also send us emails if you prefer uh, to get in contact that way. Slice of Disney pod at gmail.com. Yeah. So uh, thank you again for listening to the Hall of presidents uh i had a blast getting into this and can't wait to get into it more and uh be safe out there thinking of you all okay bye